Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Now You Know podcast with your host, Pastor Mark Vega. Hey, God bless you. This is Pastor Mark Vega bringing you another episode of Now You Know, dropping every Monday. Listen, we are debunking myths, smashing taboos, tackling tough topics. Man, I pray that this podcast would be a blessing to you. Would you please listen to it and jot down anything and everything that the Spirit of God is conveying through this podcast to you. Share it because we want to get the word out that Now You Know is bringing some fresh material. I don't have anything to say, but I believe I got, I've got something to convey and I want to share that with you. I want to just tell you that the last, the last 13, 14 years of our lives, we have been in the ministry of sending young people, winning them, building them, sending them to their God-given destination and I want to talk to you, to you today from the subject, breaking free from control. Breaking free from control. It's not what you think. It's not diabolical control. It's not the control of the cosmos, of the time, of antichrist spirit. It's a different kind of control. And I'm going to tell you as I launch and catapult this podcast the most suffocating pressure endangering a young person called called by God. I'm going to say that again. The most suffocating pressure endangering a young person called of God is not the spirit of Python. It is not Satan. It is not cosmos. It's a controlling mother. Man, you know I said that. It's a controlling mother. I want to talk to you. Today, I want to use the Word of God. I want to use experience. And I don't want to step on anybody's toes. I don't want to make enemies. I don't want to make mothers angry. I honor mothers. I love mothers. In our church, we have we have a soft spot for mothers, especially single mothers, especially mothers that are grinding and, and raising up their children by themselves. Our church, Ignite Life Center, we love to minister, we love to help, we love to support. We love anything and everything having to do with mothers because mothers were God's idea on structuring a home. He, he did it through the woman. And it's not my bent. I do want to say that when a young person is called by God, and we've seen many, many, many young people called by God, who God has called to change the world, who God has called to transform, transform lives, transform and transcend society. It is oftentimes, it is oftentimes noted that the greatest impediment for a young person to go into full-time ministry many times is a controlling mother. We've seen it in Ignite School of Ministry. We've seen it for about 25 years, as long as I can remember. And we continue to see it. And I'm gonna, I know this, this is a little controversial, and I, I know emails are gonna come in, and I know that I'm gonna rattle some cages, but I just want you to know that Jesus can relate. I'm gonna start there. Jesus can relate. You know, the Bible says that Jesus, when he went to, to the wedding, 
And of course, we know the passage. He goes to the wedding with his mother. They run out of wine. His mother knows there's a messianic call over his life. His mother knows he is the Messiah. His mother knows because the angel Gabriel, 30 years before that wedding, visited her and told her about Yeshua, about the one that would save mankind. She knew that she was partnering with God under assignment to raise him, to wean him in the ways of the law so that ultimately he could fulfill his destiny, his God-given destiny. Being God, Emmanuel, God in flesh, he gave his deity up, took up flesh and blood so that he could be the perfect sacrifice. And for me, it's amazing because in that wedding, and I want you to pay attention, in that wedding, they run out of wine and she forces, Mary forces his hand and she tells him, she basically tells him, fix the problem. And he looks at her, and, and I'm going to use my imagination, he looks at her with great astonishment slash disappointment. And he says, woman, what have I to do with this? In other words, this ain't my business. I got to do with this. This ain't my time has not yet come. And here's what she says. She tells the master of the wedding, she tells him, do what he tells you to do. In other words, he is going to tell you what to do. He is going to change this water into wine. Make sure you do what he says. And she forces his hand. For the first time ever, I want you to think of this now. Jesus is in the intersection. He is forced to obey his mother because if he disobeys his mother, he would be disqualified from being the perfect sacrifice. And so he is between a rock and a hard place. He is in an inflection point. He has to obey the father and fulfill the father's will. But his mother is, is forcing him. This is a forced miracle, the first miracle. By the way, the bookends in the life of Christ, his first miracle on earth and his last miracle on earth when he healed Malchus's ear were against his will. Why was that one against his will? Because it was not his will that Peter would cut off Malchus's ear. And he tells him, put the sword back in the sheath. Don't you understand that if you take matters into your own hand, what? How will scripture be fulfilled? And so it's been my experience in these 15 years, more so 1,500 young people that have came through the doors of Ignite Life Center. Some through summer programs, others, others hundreds and hundreds through the School of Ministry, which began as an internship. I cannot tell you how many times these young people came to study the word because they felt a compelling call of God. They felt God nudging them, calling them. They felt an urgency to leave the normal, to become who God wanted them to come to become. They started pursuing him academically, ministerially, ecclesiastically, serving in a church. It's always been our modus operandi to never retain or to persuade or to dangle carrots so that they can stay in Gainesville. We and the 1,500 students, we make sure that we are being a bridge 
and that we've been a a component for them to return and to change their context. But I can't tell you how many times once the student begins his journey, his ministerial journey, his call, how many times students have came to us and said, I want to do what God's calling me to do, but I'm feeling the pressures. I'm feeling the pressure of my mom who's telling me I need to get a real job, who's telling me now, okay, that's good. That was a phase in your life, but now you need to come and study. You need a real degree. You need to go to a real school. You need to have a real job. You can't go broke. And before you know it, many of these young people, young adults, have succumbed to the normal by returning back to the familiar, abandoning ministerial preparation, abandoning the call. And I'm going to tell you, I can't tell you the letters. I can't tell you how many emails I've gotten of these young people in total frustration because somehow, some way, they were pressured. They were suffocated. The ministerial fire, the call, was suffocated by parental pressure. It is the greatest thing endangering our young people today. It is not the devil. The devil is defeated. It is not Python. It isn't the suffocating spirit of Satan. It isn't cosmos. It isn't an antichrist spirit. It's a controlling parent. And I'm going to tell you, it's been my experience. Again, I'm not declaring war on mothers, but it's my experience that the fathers are not as adamant as the mothers. I can tell you stories of phone calls that we've gotten. And, and the mother would say something like, this is not hyperbole, this is an example. What I'm giving you is, is real, factual stories. Parents that have said, when you finish whatever you're doing, when you finish in Gainesville, I want you to get a job, I want you to go to school, I want you to make money because you need now to take care of me. You need to take care of your parents. You need to take care of us because we took care of you. I can't tell you how many times we've seen young people in bondage. I've been in hotel rooms ministering. I get a phone call at 12 midnight. And this is not, again, this is not exaggeration. It's not hyperbole, nor is it a hypothetical example. I'll get a phone call. My son is in trouble. My son is in drugs. My son just got kicked out of a sports team in the university. My son, my son is in great need. Somebody told me about you and the work that you do with young people. And I've obliged. And I've said yes, because the Lord told us in 2007 in Phoenix, Arizona, through Tommy Barnett, that if we go for the ones that no one wants, he'll give us the one everyone wants. We have seen God and his fidelity. And we've seen God meet every single promise and purpose that he des he's designed for us. But this podcast is not about what God is doing in Gainesville. This podcast is a warning to let you know that if you are a parent, you need to release your child. You need to let your child go, not to ignite, but release them into the next steps of them fulfilling their call. That can come through a plethora, a multiplicity of ways that God prepares young people. But please do not intercept the call of God in their lives. Please do not impede the call of God in their lives. Please do not become a burden. Be a zephyr. 
Be a fresh wind. Be a help. But do not, do not interrupt the processes of God. And I'm going to tell you, we've seen young people that have came through this ministry through a phone call from a parent, usually the mom. My child is in trouble. My child is in need. Can they go? Can they? Well, the program starts in three months. Can they go before that? Is there a place where they can stay? I'm, I'm in great angst. I'm anxious. I need your help. Yes, of course. Of course. And we'll help them. And we see God do what God does. This isn't an Ignite concoction. This isn't an Ignite secret sauce. It's the word of God. We become conduits and bridges of what God wants to do. A lot of them get delivered from emotional situations and psychological baggage and spiritual bondage. And we hear nothing but gratitude in the voice of the parents and the mom and for the first year. But come that second year, the voice changes. The phone calls change. Now there's, there's a little aggression. Come the third year, many of them don't even make the third year. Because the same parent that called for us to minister to their son or to their daughter is the same parent that will tell them on their break, you don't have to finish. God can use you here. There's not a lot of money in ministry. You're going to go hungry in ministry. You need a real job. How about this one? You need to fall back on something. As if God's hands were brittle. As if trusting God was not enough. As if taking the first step out of the boat was going to cause you to sink. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen anybody that has left home, left house, left commodity. We're creatures of comfort, left comfort, be abandoned by God. I've seen young people thrive in their call, not only developing a prayer life, but developing a relationship with God's word, developing a construct for life. I've seen God do amazing things. We haven't been around for 50 years, but I can tell you that these 15 years I've seen, I've seen God do some amazing things. People that came in confused and broken sexually, emotionally, physically, spiritually, and today they're thriving. Today they've got purpose. Somebody said, well, not everybody's called to full-time ministry. I say amen to that, but everyone is called to a ministry. A ministry. We're called to serve. We're called to be light. We are salt. That's not a wish list that God has for us. That is our DNA. And all we've got to do is introduce young people to that DNA. But I'm going to tell you, the enemy has always, always used a loved one. It's throughout scripture. Let me tell you something about Jesus. After Jesus has that encounter in the wedding, the Bible doesn't give a lot of descriptives as far as how he felt when his mother pressured him. But I will tell you this. Sometime later, they're looking for him. They said, Jesus, your mother and your brothers are looking for you. And Jesus' response is, my mother, my brothers, aren't these, referring to the disciples, aren't these my mother and my brothers? In other words, Jesus understood, and I want you to, want you to understand this now, it is crystal clear that Jesus understood that separating from his mother to fulfill the call in his life was something he had to do. I'm not implying anything. This is not heresy. I'm just telling you 
He loved his mother. He honored his mother. He made sure that she had a son when he's on the cross and he commends, he commits John to her care and, and he commits her to John's care. Let me just start by saying, just to get a better context of what I'm saying, the disciples were from ages 14 to about 22, 23, perhaps 24 years old. When Jesus came to save the world, he came in form of a youth pastor. I'm going to say that again. He didn't come in form of a megachurch pastor. No, no. He came in form, in the form of a youth pastor. Let me just be clear on this. Jesus' greatest frustration was the fact that people did not understand how delicate, how delicate the call of God is in the lives of those young people. By the way, in John chapter 21, 15, when Jesus has a conversation with Peter, right before he ascends, he says, Peter, Peter, do you love me? Before he says, pastor my sheep, he says, first, take care of my lambs. In Greek, arnion, lambs are young sheep. Christ had a heart and still has a heart for young people. And the devil knows that once a young person determines to go full throttle, to follow the call, to be who God wants him to be. Once that passion, the glory of the youth still is their strength. Once a young person finds a cause, hitches to that cause, that cause is part of their calling. The enemy knows he cannot make that young person. He can't make him slip. He can't make him fall. He can't make him fornicate. He can't make him deny Christ, denounce Christ, denounce the faith. So he's going to use the closest person to that young man or young woman, which oftentimes is mama. The mean, the mean that mama is antichrist. The mean that mama is full of the devil. The mean that mama is lost. Doesn't mean that. But sometimes parents want to live their lives vicariously through their children. I've had parents tell me, my son is going to be a lawyer. Problem with that is that you are declaring a wish list because God sees the end from the beginning. And if God called that young person, see, us pastors, we get it wrong because we think it's our sheep, my sheep. I don't like when people steal my sheep. They're not just sheep. They're God's sheep. God is the pastor. We're just, we're just managerial shepherds. We manage the flock. When someone goes from my church to another church, I don't have to call the pastor. I'll follow up. If they're comfortable in that church, praise be unto God. If they're backsliding, if they deviate from the call, then that's the one that I'll chase instead of staying with the 99. But sometimes I think we become so territorial as pastors and as parents that we forget that that young man and that young lady will have to answer before God. And let me tell you the greatest misconception about that day when we stand before God is that he's going to ask us, what did you do with your life? He's not going to ask that. He's going to ask, what did you do with the call I placed over your life? And mom, mom can't come from the line, out of the line in eternity, in judgment, or raise her hand and say, I just wanted him, I wanted him to stay home because I, mom cannot answer that. Mom's going to have to answer for her call. 
Dad is going to have to answer for his call. But you, young man, you, young lady, you're going to have to answer for your call. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're a parent, back off. I love my son. That's fine. But don't love him so much that you suffocate him. And if you're a young person, honor your father and your mother. Listen, I'm the youngest of 10. I honored my mother. I was in the military. I didn't serve the Lord out of the 70, 80 plus people in the barracks. When I was on the USS John F. Kennedy during the times of the Persian Gulf War, I didn't put a tattoo on, not because I didn't want to, but I knew my mom would frown upon it. And I honored her. Made $800 a month and I gave her $400, gave her half of my paycheck. And I stood with $400 a month. Honored my mother. I honored her. I'm not talking about, and I want you to get this, I'm not talking about, I want you to get this twisted now, I'm not talking about dishonoring. Let me give you a testimony. When I came to Florida and I gave my life to Christ at a Pentecostal church, Assemblies of God church, that's where I met one of the greatest pastors to ever live, Peter Rios, and then I met my spiritual father, Raymond Carrion, and it was, let me tell you, the people I met, the friends I met, it was, it was divine. And subsequently, I, I met my wife and just an amazing family. I met family, extended family. Phenomenal. We all worshiped in that church together. And I'm just going to tell you, I gave my heart to the Lord. I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. I was called into ministry. I got married in 1995. I remember right before I was living with my father. I was 24 years old. This is 1994. And I remember, I remember living with my father I was on fire for God. And I remember my mom, who was in New York, she was caring for my brother. And it was frigid. It was cold. My mom was cleaning hospitals. She was a housekeeper. She would clean hospitals and she would clean, she would clean convalescent homes. And I was 24. She was 64, 65. At the age of 65, 66, she slipped on ice, walking a dog, fell on her face on a block of ice, split her face open. Her eyes were closed, black. And I remember when she told me the news, I remember, I remember hearing, hearing a, a, a voice saying, you need to go back home and help your mom. You need to go and rescue her from that situation. You need to go back and make a difference. You're not doing anything here. You're going to Bible Institute. You're pursuing this call. You're not going to amount to be much. You need to go home. You need to get a real job. You need to follow your heart. Let me tell you, I remember going in prayer and talking to God. I spoke to my spiritual father about it. And I remember in prayer one night, the Lord told me, if you take care of me, I will take care of your mother. I remember when I heard God's voice, it set me free from the entanglements of regressing, retarding, and going back to Egypt because I was delivered from New York. And I was headed back over there thinking I was going to do something good, something positive. Did not know it was a trap in and of itself. I chose to follow God. And through many tears and anguish, I was able to see what God did. And let me tell you what God did. I was able to move my mom down. I moved my brother down. I moved my other brother down. I moved my sister down. They all came down. My, my, my mother lived with me. 
And she was treated like a queen up until her 82nd year. Her 82nd year, when she was 82, June 15th, 2012, she went to be with the Lord. I remember holding her hand and thanking God because he kept good on that promise. Because I took care of God, God would take care of her. My mom never tried to manipulate me. My mom always said, follow the call. When I would tell my mom, mom, I'm going to go to New York. She goes, no, son, you need to stay and follow the call. You're developing, you're growing, you're progressing. Young person, hear me today. Hear me today. I don't know what your developmental stage looks like. I don't know where God has you. I know oftentimes we, we feel like we're in incubators. But let me just tell you, this is more than incubator. The process is a slow time cook. This is going to take a while, but God will be faithful. God will be there. And if you're in some sort of ministry preparatory right now, if you're in college, if you're in a Christian college, if you're developing because you feel God calling you to ministry, you feel God calling you to ministry, praise God for arts. Praise God for schools like Southeastern, like other schools, different types of schools, Christian schools, Christian universities that have arts. Thank God for the arts. But there's still young people today that are called into the five-fold ministry. Not all of us are called to arts. Though God can work and he can, and he can blossom that ministry and blossom that call to such a degree that you will find yourself in private sector, in public sector, in the workplace, in, in, in the marketplace, making a difference as an entrepreneur. Because I believe every man or woman of God has an entrepreneur spirit in him. But do not allow the suffocating pressures of a parent. And parent, do not allow yourself to put pressures on your children that are going to cause them to fear and to never maximize that call over their lives. If you started it, if it's his will, it's going to be his bill. If God called you to it, if it's God's call, he will not let you fall. But you must, you must hold on to the plow. And you can't look back. Because if you look back, the Bible says you're disqualified. You're not fit for service. And so I want to close out just saying, if this is you, and you're feeling pressures. You're feeling pressures to do something, to be something, to become who, who a parent said you were supposed to be. But you're feeling the call of God. Talk to your pastor. And pastor, if you're listening to this, I warn you, don't dangle a carrot to keep them, to retain those that God has called for you to release so that they can be prepared for the betterment of the kingdom of God. Because you have to answer to God. They don't belong to us. They belong to him. We are temporary stewards of God's children. And I take that seriously. It is my privilege. It is my pleasure to prepare young people that are called unto ministry. And can God use them in the workplace? Yes. We have alumni, Ignite alumni working for CNN working in different sectors, working in the world of politics, working in government, working in the medical field, working as church planters and pastors, leading, because that's what leadership is. It's influence. They're influential, and God is using their influence for his kingdom. But I must tell you, the threshold of being catapulted 
into that ministry is going to be somehow, some way, like it was for Jesus, parental pressure. And parental pressure is the most suffocating pressure, endangering a young person. Ain't the spirit of fornication. It ain't the spirit of Python. It ain't the spirit of cosmos. It's the suffocating pressures of a controlling parent, controlling mother, controlling father. Usually, usually it's a controlling mother who wants to live, wants to control her children's life. It comes from a good place because parents don't want their children to, to suffer. And in ministry, there are hardships, but you got to trust God. And the same God who did it with you will do it with your son. We believe in the power of the call. Let's choose to allow Christ to lead our children, to guide them, and to launch them, and eventually plant them where he has destined. Jezreel, I am rejoicing because it was the Lord who planted me. This is Pastor Mark Vega, and it's been a pleasure to spend these 30 minutes with you. Have a blessed rest of the week, and we might continue this subject next week. God bless you. I love you. Love God, and live for what matters most. Stay tuned. Share this podcast. I'll see you next Monday.